0: On the first weekend in March, Pope Francis made a historic trip to Iraq. The visit drew criticism for its apparent disregard for health concerns tied to COVID-19. Francis has been repeatedly called out for not wearing a mask. And according to the Religion News Service, he told journalists on Monday that he, quote, "...truly felt in prison during the lockdown." In conversations with reporters, the Pope defended his trip maintaining that he felt a source of inspiration, divine inspiration, to bring light to the religious persecution that so many had suffered at the hands of ISIS, not just Christians. The Pope told reporters he felt the need after reading the Nobel Peace Prize winner Nadia Murad's book, The Last Girl, detailing the ISIS attacks on the Yazidi community and the attacks on women. On his last day in Iraq, the day before International Women's Day, the pope called for respect and greater opportunities for women. Some conservative voices in the church criticized the pope for meeting with the Grand Ayatollah al-Sistani in the city of Najaf. The pope defended this meeting as consistent with church teachings to promote coexistence in accordance with the Second Vatican Council. To get a better understanding of what the experience was like and the criticisms, I spoke with EWTN broadcast reporter Colm Flynn just a few hours after he landed from his three-day whirlwind trip with the Pope. I understand you just landed a few hours ago in Rome. You accompanied the Pope on this historic trip. How are you feeling, sir? I am feeling you know
1: what I'm still running on the energy the excitement the anxiety as well and just the sheer amount of love that I felt in Iraq for the last four days I have been in Iraq and we had a wake-up call at 3 a.m. every morning including this morning we had to get up to get on the papal plane fly back to Rome and I've just arrived back in the Eternal City so I'm I'm a bit tired but I'm, (laughs) I'm happy to be here talking to you today
0: well, I appreciate it, and I can hear that excitement still in your voice. So, first impressions—you you, you acknowledge that you were there was some the hesitation, there were fears and some concerns about this trip happening now. What did you encounter? What did you find when you landed?
1: Yes, you're right. When they asked me, my bosses at EWTN, which is the Global Catholic Television Network, they said, "Colum, we want you to go on the apostolic trip with Pope Francis to Iraq." And I thought, "Great, I'm going to Iraq," and then. I went home and I uh, sobered up a bit and thought about it and I thought, oh wait, this is terrible, I'm going to Iraq. Because like so many people I know and my family, what I had known of Iraq were the images I'd seen on TV over the years, which was war, destruction, devastation, sorrow, pain, machine guns. And I thought this is going to be some sort of barbaric country I'm going to. This isn't going to be safe uh, with COVID-19 as well. Then leading up to the trip, we had there was a number of rocket attacks uh, in in Baghdad in January. There were two suicide bombers in different parts of the country only, I think, two weeks ago. So right up to this trip, there were bombings in different parts of the country. And people were advising the Pope not to travel, but he said, no, I am still going. I think some journalists then backed out and they um, declined to go, but I I went and when I touched down, I was really just blown away. It it was completely different to what I thought visually when we were driving around in our uh, massive um, motorcade that we had you could see all along the streets they took no chances they had the Iraqi military out in force they had the Iraqi secret service and police standing along the road whenever we were traveling they were holding their machine guns they had what looked like tanks so it it was quite intimidating from one point of view but then when you would meet the people when you would go up and talk to the soldiers holding the machine guns you realized uh, how much you had in common. They they loved that they were hosting Pope Francis and they had journalists there from all over the world. And you know what I noticed as well? They really had a sense of the spotlight being on Iraq uh, for the first time in a while and for a different reason than normal. Mm. And they were really enjoying it. They were relishing in it.
0: I just am curious. Did you feel like you got enough time to actually meet folks outside of the entourage?
1: No, not at all. In Baghdad, we, were, we weren't allowed out of the hotel. Our mm-hmm. hotel was surrounded by this kind of concrete fence. They had erected huge security. Uh, they had snipers on the roof. I mean, it was really full on. So we were told you can't leave the hotel. But it was very heavily stage managed by the Iraqi government. They left nothing to chance. But in Corraquash, in he went to visit the largest Christian community there in a church called the Immaculate Conception. And that's a smaller city. And when we went there, the security was a little bit more lax. During the um, service, Pope Francis was speaking inside the church. He was actually listening to testimonies from families who had lost um, sons and daughters and brothers and sisters in ISIS attacks. And halfway through it, I kind of slipped out a side door And it was remarkable, I found uh, the Pope's car was there, this beautiful Mercedes the Iraqi government had uh, provided for the trip, and there was loads of security and army men around it, and I froze and I thought, I'm going to get in trouble here because I'm not meant to be here. But one of them came over, and he had a little tray, and he gestured uh, at me to take a cup of tea off the (laughs) tray. And I was like, wow. And just the barrier broke down again. Mm. You know, when I saw their image, it went back to what I'd seen on TV. I'm in danger. This isn't safe. And then a moment later, I was talking with them. Uh, The little bit we could communicate. We were joking. There were little kids playing around and that was probably the nicest moment for me. And then this woman came up to me holding her baby, and again, so proud to be in front of the camera. I was holding my camera phone and I started doing a Facebook Live. And she had taught her little boy to say, eh, We love you, Pope.
0: I love you. I, I love you. Bye.
1: And these were Muslims uh, outside of the church. And when we went to the birthplace of Abraham, that was um, extraordinary because this is where the three main monotheistic religions, Christianity and Judaism and Islam, all began. And I was interviewing this um, girl, but she looked very secular. uh, or She looked very Western. She was young. She was Iraqi. She was educated. She was from Baghdad. And I assumed she was Christian. And we were talking and then halfway through it, she said, you know, because I'm I'm Muslim. And she said, isn't it amazing that you're Christian, I'm Muslim, and we're both standing here on the very spot where our religions began all those years ago.
0: Hmm. It sounds like it's going to stay with you for a while. It's so extraordinary
1: when you leave these places, you feel a bit cheated because it leaves such a beautiful impression on you. And all the Iraqi people I met were incredibly welcoming. And and one thing I, I learned they say over there is Iraq is your second home, your second country. Um, they love the fact that they were hosting us and they would love to see the world to see their country in a new light. And you wonder, will I be back? And I'd love to see, and this is the million dollar question, how Pope Francis' trip and his meeting with the Grand Ayatollah, um, who is this massive, influential Muslim leader in the country, his meeting with him, the tone that he tried to set of peace and dialogue between Christians and Muslims and forgiveness and reconciliation. I mean, there's the, the country is in a state of euphoria at the moment, you can really sense that, but how long will it last, and what will the long-term effect be on the country?
0: That, I think, is the question that so many are asking because it was clear, at least to us watching the events unfold uh, here from the United States, that this was both a religious trip, one that was to be um, you know, imbued with the symbolism and the rituals and the practices that are sacred, uh, particularly in the season of Lent. But the Pope is also the head of state, and he has been unequivocating in speaking out and trying to address issues related to coexistence, issues related to peace. And it is also at a time in which the kind of relationship between the Shia and the Sunni, particularly in Iraq, and the dynamic in that region with Iran and with Syria, there are a lot of diplomatic and political um, layers to bringing this kind of attention did you feel that that diplomacy was part of the mission? How much energy and effort was intended to exercise what some call that soft power that religious leaders can have in a political context?
1: I think you nailed the argument on the head. There was much criticism of the Holy Father before he left the Eternal City and flew on his Alitalia papal flight to Baghdad. Why is he going? Why now? We're in the middle of COVID. The Christians in Iraq that he has been saying for so long that he so desperately wants to be with and see, you know, most of them weren't able to uh, see him. 18,000 were able to gather in the stadium at Arabil for the last day for a huge mass. But for most of the time, it was meeting the prime minister. It was meeting the president. It was meeting the uh, president of Kurdistan. So it was a very political journey. That being said, I think, you know, the seeds that he planted, really, you have to think, when you see the scenes, are going to have a long-lasting positive effect. But it's a delicate tightrope that he's walking. And one of the head church officials, Cardinal uh, Filoni, I asked him about it too. I said, is this the right time? He said, right time. When is a right time? This is a real time.
0: I was there in 2015 in northern Iraq, and at the time, the dynamic was less on the multi faith, but the intra faith tensions as ISIS was destroying cities, displacing neighborhoods, um, you know, terrorizing faith communities, and also terrorizing Muslims who refused to follow and, and embrace the extremism uh, that they were advocating. And so the role of uh, the Grand Ayatollah Ali Asistani from Najaf, it, you know that meeting that happened there, which is in this third holiest pilgrimage site, the fact that he took that meeting in itself is also signaling. It's signaling to the the Shi'as the relationship and the importance of creating that table to talk about and affirm that coexistence. And I'm curious if you found or heard kind of criticisms from within and among local Iraqis.
1: You know what, it's so complicated because the meeting was a private meeting. When the Pope went to meet al-Sistani in his humble home, they didn't have this in some kind of elaborate palace, he Mm -hmm. went to his home and met him, that a... al-Sistani stood up to meet the Pope and they told us this is the first time he has ever stood up to greet a guest when he's walked into the room and they told us the Pope took off his shoes. Again, everything was off the record in the meeting. It wasn't recorded and no journalists were permitted when they met for 45 minutes. But afterwards, um, the Pope did say, and he mentioned it on the papal flight this morning when he had his press conference, that he said to Pope Francis that he believed all Christians in Iraq should be able to live in peace. And he said that they should have, that he agreed with Pope Francis that they should have the same rights as all other citizens. Now, that was a huge thing for him to say.
0: The signaling that Sistani is doing by meeting with the Pope, did Sistani release a readout from that meeting suggesting the same thing or confirming it?
1: No, not that we know of her, not that we were given. Mm. Her communication was coming straight from the Vatican press office, so everything we got came from them and... There was no statement we were given from al-Sistani when we were there, not at all.
0: You know, I think it's so interesting to have this happen also during the pandemic. It makes one wonder just the urgency, again, of the geopolitical realities that the Pope is reading I wonder how much significance should we be looking at in terms of the way the Biden administration is trying to renegotiate and reengage in the region? Because today the Biden administration put out uh, an executive statement uh, from the president commending the pope on this trip and affirming All of the messages that came out of his meeting with uh, the Grand Ayatollah and the multi-faith coexistence fraternal message of, of working together for peace. It does raise some questions about who the audience was for this, but also how this visit could potentially lead to other decisions by political actors that have a stake in the region.
1: And that was something that was leveled uh, to the Pope as well on the plane today. Why now again? Why was this the time to go, particularly in in light of COVID? And Iraq, I think, has just been in the grip of a a COVID um, sore in the last couple of weeks and last couple of months. And at Herbal Stadium, they had up to 18,000 people and very few were wearing masks.
0: I saw that. Yeah, I saw I saw, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was going to say I went online to look at the stadium. Someone panned around and I saw a few surgical masks, but not many at all.
1: But you know what it's see, you have to weigh it up, I think, and that's what the Pope said in his answer on the plane. He said, "You know what i I thought about it long and hard. He said, "I prayed a lot about it. We you know the risks, and yes, there are risks. I accept there are risks. He was asked actually a very direct question on the plane, which was uh, very unlike a papal press conference. Someone asked him uh, do you you know there could be people who get very ill? there could be debts because of your visit what do you how do you respond?" All the journalists kind of stopped and paid attention. But he said he waited up, he prayed a lot about it, and on balance, he said he, he thought the good that com- could come out of this trip would just far outweigh and outseed anything else. And you know what? From being there again, I don't know the numbers. I don't know how many people are going to get COVID or how it's going to transmit. I don't know that. But you could just tell, you could feel the seeds of healing were starting to grow. Uh, you really could sense this kind of joy and euphoria in the air that I think the Iraqi people were so longing for. And the Pope's visit there, was it somewhat political? Of course it was. Um, but has it done a great thing for the Christian community there? Absolutely. For the country in general? Um, as a person who was only there as an observer for three days? I think so. Mm. But time will tell.
0: Time will tell. And I, it sounds like you are headed back there at some point to tell some stories.
1: And you know what, just as you mentioned that, uh, I'm looking at a monitor here in front of me. I know people can't see this because we're on radio, but it's a video of my cameraman, Alexi, who was filming with me for a couple of days. And uh, this morning in the bus on the way from our hotel in Baghdad to the airport, he was sitting at the very front beside the bus driver. The bus driver could speak very little English. My cameraman can speak very little Arabic. And they were just communicating. And my cameraman admired his ring. It's a beautiful ring. And they were chatting for a while. And then at the end, the bus driver took off his ring. It has this kind of beautiful red rock in the middle of it. And I started filming straight away. And he said, please take this. Please take this now. My cameraman was so embarrassed, Alexi, and he kept refusing but he took it off his hand and put it into my cameraman's hand, the ring, and, and kept saying, "Please, it's a gift, it's a gift." Thank you, Ali, but I can't. Yeah. That's too, too kind. No way. Yeah. <laughs> you can't take that. It's a beautiful ring. It's a beautiful ring. <laughs> no, 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 Ali. It's too beautiful. It's too beautiful. And I thought, wow, that just sums up the the, the Iraqi people and what our trip was like for the three days. My cameraman gave the ring back for the record, but we were very grateful.
0: You know, that that's a beautiful story, column, and I thank you for sharing it. I, you'll have to send me a little clip, and we'll definitely share it in the show notes. I think that that story in so many ways animates, I think, that human spirit of connection and excitement. And I, and I know that there is going to be a lot of unpacking of this papal trip. I so appreciate you taking time to share your observations.
1: All the best. Thank you so much.
0: Colin Flynn is a broadcast journalist reporting for the EWTN Catholic News Agency. He is based in Rome and accompanied Pope Francis on this historic trip to Iraq. To see the videos and images from his trip, visit our show notes at interfaithradio.org. That's all for this week's episode. A special thanks to our founder Maureen Fiedler and MC Yogi for our theme music. This week's producer is Kevin McCarthy. I hope wherever you are, You are safe, you stay connected, and we'll see you next week. I'm Umbreen Khan.